Welcome to the ministry of Berean Bible Church in Louisville, Ohio, pastored by Ted Fellows and committed to preaching and teaching God's Word from a dispensational perspective. Most of the messages you will hear are recorded from our local church services. You can find out more about our ministry at www.bereansoflouisville.org. Thank you for listening. Um, we're, good, we're moving into the last phase of the uh, the series, the, the second phase, or the last message of the second phase of our series, Sacred or Secular. Uh, and then we're going to move, this is kind of a transition message, to the issue for us today. And uh, so this morning I want to talk about why national decline. Why do nations decline? And uh, as, we th- as we talk about secular or sacred, the viewpoint or the or the uh, um, in in the discussions, isn't it really easy to talk about the decline of our nation and to uh, to de- deplore the moral, the political, the social corruption and decline of our nation? That comes up all the time, doesn't it? It's obvious, and uh, even unsafe people scratch their head and and see um, th- that things have really shifted in our nation in the last few years. And so as we talk, as, as those subjects come up, rather than just talk about the decline, I'm going to talk to you this morning about why there's a decline. Because as you talk about those things, that just creates more hand-wringing and lament and, and frustration and sadness. But when you understand why that happens, then you can, then you can share the answer with individuals. And the system is already shot. The system is not going to be recovered. We know where the course of this world is headed. The course of this world is, and Gentile nations are heading towards the Antichrist, and Satan's policy of evil, and the, 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 the ultimate deception that manifests itself that's going to be climaxed by the second coming of Jesus Christ, where he will then enact perfect social justice. And we'll just see how serious the social justice warriors are <laughs> when they true when 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 righteousness is the girdle of his loins and faithfulness is the is the, the nature of his reins, and uh, we'll see. And uh, the Bible even tells us the answer to that. At the end of the thousand years, there is a final rebellion again when you give the uh, the, the social justice crowd what they want in divine measure. Uh, they don't like it. But uh, before we get to all of that, the issue of why there is national decline and the issue today. And ultimately, I want to talk about America's decline. And we've laid out the foundational issues that God established for national life. And we've seen the, the found, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's Psalm 11, verse 3. And we see the foundations crumbling all around us. And so we have taken the issue of Paul's Gentile ministry, which again, as God gave up the nation of Israel and, and Israel fell, the gospel, and now God turned to dealing with the Gentile nations that for 4,000 years were going on in darkness and in unbelief and in unrighteousness and in ungodliness. And now God turns to the Gentile nations, not with Israel's program, not a, re, not a remaking of Israel's program or a hybrid version of it, 
but a brand new message among the Gentiles tailor-made for Gentile life. And a, an expansion of the, the, the Savior now giving himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And every man Savior, and because preached by an every man apostle that meets the needs of every single individual heart. The issue today is not groups of nations. The issue is not groups of, of, uh, of classes in humanity. The issue is Paul's gospel among the Gentiles bringing life to individuals within national life, within the nations. And as we come to Romans chapter number one, um, the bigger issue today is why nations decline. And the answer is not in politics, but in the spiritual decline of a nation. The, the spiritual decline of a nation results in what we see around us. In Romans chapter number one, it's, it's amazing to me how, how much wisdom and perspective comes from this very first chapter in Paul's ministry. We know that Paul writes, he introduces himself to the Gentiles and gives us a snapshot of Gentile history. From verse 18 all the way down to, to verse 32, we have the Gentile world. And we see in, in, in uh, Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And the truth that they hold is the truth of their creator. He says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. He talks about the invisible things of him that can be known and understood by the things that are made. And uh, he says, when they knew God, verse 21, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. The Gentile nations in the first 11 chapters of Genesis for 2,000 years, uh, I shouldn't say 2,000 years because God had a, had a, had a restart with Noah, um, you know, after Noah, then God started over a second time. <laughs> he started over with Noah, took the three sons of Noah, and split up those descendants and created the nations. And in just a thousand, in, in just a little over a hundred years, it was evident that man was going right back to what he was doing before. There's a timeline that goes through the book of Genesis. And within, just after a hundred years after the flood, a man named Peleg was born, and in his days was the earth divided. And it's during his lifetime that the Tower of Babel took place, where man, they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, and they, didn't, they weren't going to scatter and, and fill the earth, but rather they stayed in one place, they developed their own religion, and God says nothing is going to be restrained which man imagined to do. And that was the original problem, wasn't it? That the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually and evil from his, from his youth. That's what brought about the flood. So God scatters the sons of, of Noah, creates national entities, and establishes the rule of law to, to govern man's national life. And as that takes place, Paul is going back to that time when they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, so God gave them up. Verse 20, 24, God gave them up to uncleanness. And notice, verse 23 is idolatry. That's the idolatry of the Tower of Babel and the one world religion that was instituted through Nimrod 
at the Tower of Babel that runs all the way through the scripture, all the way culminates in the, in the religion of the Antichrist. And the, the idolatry, the turning away from God and his truth and manufacturing your own religion creates darkness. Verse 21, they became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. That's the cause. That's why God gave them up. And then you see from verse 29 and following, you see the results. The results being filled with all unrighteousness and then the rest of that list. And that is the result of Gentile nations rejecting the light of their creator. I'll go back to verse 18. I'll show you one more thing before we go beyond this. He notice he says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That is through the Apostle Paul. The times of the ignorance God winked at and he overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. That's what we saw in Acts chapter 14. And the times of ignorance is over with, and now God is, has a message through Paul to all men no longer just go out in your own way, now turn to the living God. They have their own apostle. Notice he says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Notice ungodliness and unrighteousness are not the same thing. Sometimes we take those terms and we roll them together just like we take redemption and reconciliation and justification and forgiveness and all that. We roll those all together, don't we? But they describe different things, sometimes of the same issue. <laughs> well, ungodliness, the, that's the issue of worship, primarily. It's not the issue of just living a wicked and evil life because you've got unrighteousness there. Ungodliness is the improper relationship to God, in this case, the God of creation. And he says they hold the truth revealed of heaven against all ungodliness. That's the, that's the, the false or inadequate view of God and unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is the result of a, a, a departure from God. And, the, and the, the, the problem is they hold the truth and unrighteousness. That's the truth they rejected. So when it comes to Gentile nations, and we, we read verse 29, 30 and 31, that big long list, that reads like the newspaper, doesn't it? It reads like our world. And that's the stuff we talk about. <laughs> the corruption, the immorality, the, the, the distortion, and all those other things. That's what we talk about now. That's what's so evident. But the cause is back earlier in the chapter. It's rejection of light that results in darkness and a, a distorted view of worship. And you have the Gentiles' idolatry and the darkness, and so you don't have, you don't have an absolute moral standard because where does morality come from? Morality comes from the God of the Bible. It's not a matter of individual choice. There are absolute rights and wrongs, and there's, there's man's conscience. They know Amen. what's right and wrong in basic, basic form. So and, and, and so there's the, 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 the Gentiles are in unrighteousness. That's the natural course for man when he rejects God, when he rejects God's truth. It's the natural course of nations who reject God's truth, 
who then go on in darkness and the, and the, and the, the, the decline and the result follows. It is also the, the course that began with Adam, didn't it? Adam in the, in the, and even the Garden of Eden were given, the, they were put in a perfect environment. God gave them instruction, said you can, you can freely eat of every tree in the garden, abundant provision. And Adam decides to go his own way, thinking God is holding something back. And he went his own way, and he rejected the light, rejected the wisdom, rejected the instruction, just on, on a personal level. So, uh, so that's the natural course of thing. And rather than talk about the results, use the results to go to the cause and then give people the answer for them. You're not going to fix the culture. You're not going to fix the nation. But you can give an individual some light that will help them. Now, it doesn't mean that these other issues can't be, you know, can't be contended for in a nation. But you know what? There's plenty of people fighting the culture war, isn't there? And I'm on the sidelines cheering them on, but I know that there's something greater in my sphere of influence that I need to focus on, and that's the purpose that God saved me and, and gave to me as a member of the body of Christ to share that wonderful story within my individual circle and rescue individuals from the train wreck that uh, is, is already happening. You follow the difference? So I'm not saying don't get involved with the other, but this is the real battle for you and I. We have a dual citizenship. Yes, we're citizens of the United States of America, but when we trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And we became ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And now this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Amen. You follow? And uh, yeah, there's, and, and listen, I understand the younger generation passion about these things because they're raising children and they're, 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 they're going forward and they're concerned about all these different things. Those of us that are on the back nine, we can kind of coast and kind of survive as things are going. But uh, the next generation and the generations to follow, should the Lord tarry, are going to face some real challenges culturally and nationally. They're moving back toward the world of the first century. The first century Christians lived in a very oppressive, corrupt society. And yet Paul, Paul's gospel has the answer for them too. So the, 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 it's the natural, why is the national decline of nations, is, it, it, it's a rejection of truth. When we come to the American experiment, we talked about that last time. The American experiment rose out of the Gentile nations. It rose out of that course. And today, the debate in politics and the debate in culture is about a systemic problem. You know, you hear that term, systemic racism and, and, and white supremacy and, and all those terms which have really taken on a very different meaning that, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of until, until recently. But they're talking about something very, very different. And when you get into conversations with people, they talk about a systemic problem. 
You hear people talk about woke theology and, and woke culture is the idea of becoming aware of all of the flaws and the defects in the system in our founding, in where America came from. And the slant is that it was established by people that came, white Europeans, that brought Christianity and imposed a, an oppressive sort of a system that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, there's, a, there's a fascinating, there was an interview, they're replaying different things from, from you know, Rush Limbaugh passed away. There, he, had, he engaged some, some people in a, in a, in, in a dis discussion about culture. And he was trying to reach some of the woke theology, woke cultural things, and was talking about the, the, the opportunity. And he's talking to some Afro-American people who had become successful in radio. And they're, they're having an interview and a, and a discussion. And Rush tried to point to them and say, here's the, here, you guys are successful. There's a system here that allows people to succeed. And, and they, they never got that point. And their point was, the point was, no, it works for those who it was designed to work for. And basically, it's white Europeans. And the only solution for them was to, was to because of our founding was flawed, was to dismantle the foundation and the flaw. That's, that's the goal. That's the revolution of the extremists. Not time, I, I said all that not to dwell on all that. Most of you are aware of all of that. But the, but the point is, they make the problem, white Europeans and the founding of this country, who came with Christianity and came with an English translation of the Bible that brought great light to the rest of the world. You have one side of the equation who says, Christianity is part of the problem. <laughs> but now we've been looking at the sacred viewpoint about national life and foundational life and institutions where because we had Christianity and the Bible, we had the seeds of divine viewpoint for national life that created the, the uniqueness of America. And, and so one side looks at the same issue, it says it's part of the problem, the other side sees the same issue and it's the reason we've made so much progress. In the founding of our country, we had the seeds of those divine institutions of, of knowledge of creation, of volition, of marriage, of home, and the, the proper structure of national life and the rule of law, and a little bit of Pauline truth. When our country was founded, people came from Europe during the Protestant Reformation. As people are coming out of darkness because of the English translation of the Bible being put into the land knowledge of common people. And so people came with some light and established a new nation that had its own struggles. Remember, Gentile nations are have Gentile national life is messy business. And we got struggles because we came out of a world, you know, with with, with all these different things. So um, but the but the Bible is said to be, and Christianity is said to be the problem when the Bible and, the, and Christianity and the proper structure of nations, the acknowledge of the creator, that all men are endowed by their creator, 
with certain inalienable rights and all men are created equal even though there wasn't equality but there was a there was a process there was a there was a, a, a conception and a birth in the midst of struggle that allowed us to repair things and change things in, in a positive way so even with the flaws and problems of our history our founding had this had the seeds that corrected many of the problems that freed the slaves that brought about civil rights and desegregation and even the liberation of women now, all these things that people still want to want to fight the battles so America had some some uniqueness as it was founded but getting back here to Romans chapter number one as I said as God gave up the nations what did he do he didn't leave himself without witness he raised up his nation the nation of Israel a model of national life that had those same foundations they didn't have the grace given to Paul but they had the Mosaic law they they had they had a, they had their knowledge of their creator and and conscience but they had the they had much advantage they had the oracles of God Romans 3 says so the nation of Israel was raised up and it was to be a light a model how did their history play out was there a decline in Israel <laughs> a national decline in Israel a roller coaster ride at best go to Romans chapter 10 Romans chapter 10 see we can talk about the Gentiles but we can talk about Israel too and the problem with Israel was a spiritual problem first Romans chapter 10 verse 21 but Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. That's a spiritual problem there. That's a quote from the book of Isaiah. So I'm going to give you just a little um, Israel history. Go back to Isaiah chapter 65 and notice that the, prob the problem is a spiritual one that leads just like with the Gentiles rejecting light ended up in darkness and all unrighteousness and cultural and national decline so it is with the nation of Israel Isaiah chapter 65 verse 2 I have spread out my hands all day all the day to a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth, sacrificeth in gardens, that burneth incense upon altars of brick, which remain among the graves, and lodge in the monuments, and eat swine's flesh, and the broth of abominable things in their vessels. That's Israel's idolatry. What was the very first commandment God gave them? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And that because that was the foundation of the nation. And here you see a rebellious people steeped in idolatry. Go back to Isaiah. By, by the way, before we, before we leave Isaiah 65, go to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 8. Within Israel was a remnant. There was always a remnant within Israel. Verse 8, as say, thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster... And one saith, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servants' sake, that I might not destroy them all. 
The servants is the nation of Israel. And just like there's grape juice in the cluster, there was a remnant within Israel that kept God from destroying them all. Um, verse 9, I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah an inheritor of my mountains and mine elect shall inherit it and my servants shall dwell there. You know, that's a prophecy about the little flock. That's a, a remnant, a nation within the nation that were true to Messiah, that were true to, 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 to God's word, but the nation at large had been corrupted, weren't they? And so you see the rest of the chapter here, um, that, that, the, that mine elect and my servants shall dwell there. Verse 11, But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that forget the holy mountain, that prepare a table for a troop, and furnish the drink offering unto the number. There's the nation at large in idolatry. But there's a, there's a group within. Go back to Isaiah chapter 1. It starts with the people. The people determine the course of a nation. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone all way backward. It starts with the people. The people determine, the, the conscience of a nation determines its direction. And where does the conscience of the nation come from? It comes from, in Israel's case, the Mosaic Law and God himself. Go over to chapter, chapter 1, verse 21. Yet there's rulership in Israel. Uh, Isaiah 121, how is the faithful city become an harlot? What's the faithful city? That's Jerusalem. A harlot. A harlot is a prostitute, a religious prostitute. It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it. But now murderers. Thy silver is become dross, thy wine mixed with water, thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. There's corrupt politicians. <laughs> See, the people begin to fall, and then there's corruption in the leadership, and the direction of the nation of Israel is a disobedient and a gainsaying nation. First, because of spiritual decline. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. Here's a verse that's often quoted. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in what? Their own eyes. There's pride. They've lost their comfort. They've lost their compass, their morality. They call evil good and good evil. Does that sound familiar? Here's the, here's, the, here's the condition of Israel. God's nation had all the foundations, had all the things in place, had the written word of God in their midst. And where are they in Isaiah's day? They're on the, they're on the prefaces of destruction. 
One last passage, Isaiah 50, 50, 59. Isaiah chapter 59. And then we're going to talk about America. Isaiah chapter 59. And uh, for the sake of time, verse 13. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, seeking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. Why? For truth is fallen in the street. Isn't that, isn't that uh, that's profound. Yea, verse 15, uh, truth is fallen, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. The, the guy who tries to get things right, he's, he's in jeopardy. <laughs> and the Lord saw it, and it displeased him, and there was no judgment. It's the, it's the, see, that's the natural course of national life. Because it's the nat natural course of man. Because politics doesn't have the answer, and the Mosaic Law didn't have the answer, did it? It didn't have the answer... To the, to the neat man had a, had a heart problem that only for Israel the new covenant could solve. And so politics and national life and national love and religious zeal eventually fizzles out, doesn't it? So here's the, the course. Why national decline for Israel? It was a spiritual problem first and foremost that's going to be resolved for the nation of Israel. So brings us to, to today and the American experiment with such a promising founding in the 16 and 1700s with the, the exploration from, from, from foreign lands and the struggle and the colonization people coming out of other nations came, they came out of the reformation they had the foundational issues of, of a knowledge of God they even had some Pauline truth they understood the creator, the creator. They set up a system focused on the individual to have the individual. The limit to limit government, not that government was going to be answered, to limit the government so the individual could pursue what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Personal responsibility, personal resolve, and taking control of your own life. Freedom. And they had the, they had the understanding of, of creator, of, the, of volition, they had the foundation of the home life and the, the true definition of marriage and the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity and the responsibility of the family. And they had a, a, a national identity. They understood what nationalism was, that it was to preserve a culture and a nation and a family and a language within boundaries and people that came in from the outside assimilated and became part of that. And so we had this wonderful history. You come into the 1800s and 1900s. When I say wonderful history, there were some, there were some speed bumps too. You know, we, we, we don't want to always, we don't want to ignore those because everybody always brings them up, right? So we need to be honest about some of the problems of our past, but also the, the issues of the present. But listen, there's, you know, where are you going to find utopia anywhere in the world. All these people, they want to they tear down this system and build up a system 
that has demonstrably failed every place else in the world. Well, so you've got the 1800s and 1900s, more truth was, re was recovered. You come through the 1900s, you have a great revival of dispensational truth and, and the Bible conference movement and the Niagara in New York Bible conferences and great discussions of dispensational truth. You had men like Larkin and Schofield that were raised up. The, the, the emphasis of dispensational truth and John Darby and others that gave birth to O'Hare and Stam and Baker and, and there's, there's recovery within this national framework and national conscience. You had, you had other individuals like Ironside and McGee and DeHaan and Oliver B. Green. Billy Graham was born out of that, that movement in the, the 40s and 50s and, 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 and came out of that, that revival, that time. And, and the, the, you had the 1930s and 1940s and 1950s and you had the struggles of World War II and the recovery from all of those things in the midst of... <coughs> excuse me, a recovery of truth. And it had great revival. And you, you sit back and you look at the country a hundred years ago and you look at the country today and there's been a radical change, a difference. What, why the decline? It's not a, it's not a political problem. It is a heart problem. It is a spiritual problem. And so you, you fast forward 100 years. What does the church look like today compared to what it looked like 100 years ago? 100 years ago, you had a sole authority that was accepted in the English language in the King James Bible. You had, in the 1800s, you had a competing line of manuscripts that began to infiltrate Christianity and, be, and began to erode the final authority of the written word of God in English in our language. And that is festering below the surface, but it's gaining momentum. And the, 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 the Bible issue was, 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 uh, uh, was part of all that modernism motion and, and, and uh, uh, movement. Then you come into the 1960s and new evangelicalism and the new Bible translations began to be more prevalent. And the final authority, my point is, what was happening to the church? As we look, as, as we view the decline of our nation, there is also a spiritual decline within the body of Christ. That it ha does not have the emphasis, does not have the influence that it once did. So now, Sundays are no different than any other day of the week. Wednesday nights are no different, and I'm just saying that's just the reality. But there was a time when our country set those times aside because it was the, 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 there was a large segment of the population and church-going community that valued those times and those things. So what does the church look like today? New translations, the movement away from the final authority of an English Bible, and now it's only the originals. You know, and so everybody's got a different view of what the originals say. And none of, us, none of us speak Greek, so we got to go to the professor and the, the theologian to even understand what the Bible really means. Dispensational Bible study is held in contempt. It's a dinosaur. It's really not a dinosaur. It's, a, it's an alien from a, from a bygone era. And today, recovery and reformation is seen in 
return to reform theology. You know what reform theology is? It's Calvinism. People like the Christian Coalition, and you, you Google that, they're all Calvinism, Calvinists, and they're all heading towards the, 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 uh, the, the sovereignty of God and the personal election and all of that stuff. That's considered revival. That's considered going back to basics. And so you have a, a dispensational Bible study is held in contempt. The local church and Christian ministry is now mainly and largely entertainment. How can we gather the masses? How can we, how can we gain an audience? We give them what they want. We give them, we, 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 and it now looks very much like the world. And when we talk about today, is truth falling in the streets? Now, not just general truth, but general truth is, but how about the truth of the foundation given to the Apostle Paul? That is the truth that God designed to function in the Gentile world. Because that's what he's doing. You're not going to, you're going to go, you're going to go back to a, a, a message that was tailor-made for the nation of Israel. And so we stand today with no final written authority. All, all a multitude of Bibles uh, and, and Bible translations. The church doesn't know where its final authority is. It's steeped in, in emotionalism and the charismatic movement and experience-based rather than truth-based um, ministry. So the spiritual decline is the reason to me for the cultural decline. The two go together because the church is less and less what it needs to be. The country drifts in the natural direction that the Gentile nations drifted and that the nation Israel drifted. Go to the book of Galatians, chapter number 1. Paul saw this. The natural tendency for man is, and the natural tendency for God's people is to drift away from truth. And you come to the book of Galatians, just, there's a number of verses, we just don't have time to, to do them all. Galatians 1 verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. You can read that. You know that that's only 10 years from Acts chapter 13 and 14 that we've been studying in Sunday school. That some people came along preach to them the, Jew, the Jewish program that you're that you're you can be maybe you can be saved but you need to keep the law a message that in Galatians 5 makes the cross of Christ and makes Jesus Christ of none effect in the life of a believer departure and the Galatian church departed from it come to uh, come to get two passages and we'll quit get Acts chapter 20 Acts chapter 20 and 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Acts chapter 20 and 2 Timothy chapter 1. Acts chapter 20 is Paul's third apostolic journey. He, is, he has established in Acts 19 the church of, of the Ephesians. That pinnacle of truth that we have in our Bible, the epistle. It was written at the close of the book of Acts. Here's Paul's ministry there. He tells the, the elders there to Ephesus to take heed unto themselves and to all the flock 
Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Departure from the faith. This is Acts chapter 20, about A.D. 60. Go to 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, Paul goes through the rest of the book of Acts, a period of about four years. He becomes a prisoner in Rome, and while a prisoner in Rome writes those prison epistles, the book of, Ephes the, um, the, the, the book of 2 Timothy is the very last book that Paul wrote. First, uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 15. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. You know who, the, who they are in Asia? The Ephesians. He's just written the epistle. He wrote the epistle to the Ephesians, and now, in, in a short period of time, has gotten word that all Asia has departed from him. That's Colossae, that's Ephesus, that's Laodicea, and Troas, and Miletus, and other places. See how quick that is? All they which are in Asia have forsaken me. Departure. Spiritual decline. Now I'm not talking about nations any longer. I'm talking about believers. We're all prone to that. Well, I said I wasn't going to talk about our country. You know our country has, has failed to commit our history and the proper view of history to the next generation. The education system. There are good people in it people that, that we appreciate fighting tooth and toenail for the true view of history and moral, a moral compass. And yet the country as, as a whole, even history now is in debate. And what perspective, how you're going to look at it. Take the same set of facts based on your viewpoint, view it one way or the same set of facts and, and view it a different way. Here we are and what's the issue for us today? The third phase, we're going to move on to another foundation that is critically important. You hear in 2 Timothy, Timothy is wavering. You know that? He's ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and of me, his prisoner. Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, you need to man up. You need to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You need to commit these things to faithful men, Timothy. And oh, by the way, I'm ready to be offered. I'm at the end of the road, Timothy. You're going to be on your own. He writes to Timothy, go back to 1 Timothy, and this is where we're going, to move, we're going to move into, that there is another foundation that needs, that, that we need to give heed to. And the foundation is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of what? The truth. There's a foundation. The local church is absolutely vital for survival in a present evil world. It's the place where the saints gather. It's the place where the truth is taught. And it's the place where the truth is committed to the next generation. And it's the place where the truth is, is lived out and is assimilated and then gone out and manifested in the community. 
It's what the world, there's a, there's a foundation here, it's what our nation needs, it's what our area needs, is strong local churches with the truth of God's word rightly divided, going out with not a form of godliness, with no power, but true godliness and devotion to God that manifests the life of Christ. And local church life is absolutely essential. And as we think about the next generation, Berean Bible Church is going to look really different in 20 years. We've got another generation coming along and new people that we want to reach and the circle of life is going to, going to continue to, to go and the calendar is going to continue to, to move. And should the Lord tarry, what, is, what does the world need? It needs the pillar and the ground of the truth. The truth of Paul's foundation, the truth of God's word rightly divided, and all scripture being proclaimed, and not just proclaimed, but lived out. We're going to talk this next few weeks about the, the issue of godliness. He says here, the church which is the pillar and the ground of the truth, and without controversy, verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Remember we talked about ungodliness back in Romans? The proper, the, the improper relationship to God is ungodliness. Godliness is proper worship, proper devotion to God. What is, the, what is godliness today? The mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. There's other things there too. God saves people today through the gospel of the grace of God. God would have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Get saved, get taught, get edified. We have the life of Christ in us. That life needs to be nurtured and built up and established and confirmed so that Jesus Christ can be manifest in the world. That people can see us live a quiet and peaceable life, go about our business in a chaotic world, he says, in all godliness and honesty. The issue of godliness, beloved, is that inner man life of Jesus Christ formed in the life of a believer through sound doctrine and truth that then lives out in our homes, on our jobs, in our schools, in our day-to-day -day life, in our local church family. It's vitally important. And the, the issue of the local church and godliness is what we need to survive, but it's what we need to commit to that next generation who are going to face an even further decline in culture and national life. Amen? Because things are not getting better. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. We got a generation coming up, kids and grandkids, that need this truth living in them. Not just surviving, but manifesting it among the Gentiles. Amen? It's a real challenge. And so we're going to be moving from the secular or sacred to the sacred. <laughs> the issue of truth and local church life and functioning together as a community 
for the cause of Christ until the Lord tarries. It all starts with that wonderful story that we sang about, isn't it? it, it you, don't, you, don't get any, you don't get anywhere until you get that Christ died for your sins and was buried and rose again the third day. That's the message that gives life. There's a He says, exercise thyself unto godliness, right? Because it has the promise of the life that now is. Amen. You need that to survive and that which is to come. Have something to look forward to. It all starts in coming to know him. And I appreciate your patience, but I wanted to get, I wanted to get said what I wanted to get said. <laughs> but that's okay. you got the rest of the afternoon to take your nap. <laughs> but what a joy it is to have some truth living. And it's not falling in the streets. It's alive and well here. Amen? Amen. And it's a truth that needs to be manifest in our lives and in our lips. And we accomplish that to greater means together. We pool our resources to have a witness out there and to have a testimony here and hold up the truth of God's word and God's word rightly divided. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather this morning to be refreshed and uh, to set aside the chaos and the cares and the, the struggles and to focus on eternal things. And Lord, we, we realize that the more we focus on things outside of our, of our wheelhouse, so to speak, the, the, more, the greater the frustration level, the greater the anxiety, the greater the worry. As we fight the battles, the, the culture war and the political wars, it just leads to frustration and, and worry. But Father, as we fight the good fight of faith, as we be strong in the Lord and the powers of his, of his might, we become stronger. Because it's not I, but it's Christ that lives in us. And there's contentment, and there's peace, and there's joy, and there's purpose in letting the life of Christ be made manifest in and through us as individuals and as a local church. We thank you so much for this great privilege, Lord. And we pray that, uh, that our hearts would be uh, uh, renewed with the purpose that you've saved us and called us to be. We thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.